namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa uttang dhammang sankhang namasami so saturday um just some announcements first, because I always forget to do them at the end. Um, I shall be away from Monday for a month. I'll be in England, Italy, Toronto, and Peterborough. Peterborough, Ontario. Uh, so, and Venable Chunda will be back. And oh, there's a, uh, a working bee up. At the seventh of May, May. morning. Uh, that's a Saturday. So, if anyone wants to pop in for that, that'll just be the morning, right? And then, yes. we'll, then we'll do the Saturday meditation. That's right. Okay. Right. Jane's here, so we can start. A um, couple of things. One from Mar- Marion's question, but um, I don't have a full talk on it, but just in terms of uh, right speech, I, I got a I got a letter. Uh, some was quoting me certain articles on science, pro and con to their position. So then four articles about against whatever we were talking about, and um, four articles for what they were thinking about. Not we had disagreement, but anyway, and. And so I, I kind of, I think we're all aware, very aware, uh, wary of the internet now, because you know you can pick up any uh, any website and justify whatever you want, right? And so I was thinking, so what is right speech in terms of sending other people uh, websites? And why? Why well, I think it's very important. I had a, I had an experience with someone who was. Uh, was dying and, and uh, they were terminally ill and I was visiting them quite often and prognosis was it was there was no hope of of recovery and then someone wrote something that there is this method of getting beyond this sickness and they went for it and uh, paid a lot of money and same time died at the same time as the doctor predicted and they still went through all the treatment and and actually the uh, conventional medicine helped them with the pain and I thought how irresponsible to to take some idea that one person hasn't researched doesn't know the science just has a bias towards it really likes that way of thinking sends an article to someone they act on it, and the consequences are not very, very good. And I thought, well, that person has a lot of moral responsibility. And if you think about it carefully, if, uh, you know, to like when I see people myself, when I see them making medical recommendations and they're not medical people, and uh, you know, so I, I'd never do that. I would never, never think of doing that. Um, because because to me there seems a real 
there's a real consequence to um, I have a moral responsibility to tell the truth, seems to me. If I convey a piece of information without which I think is truthful, but I haven't really checked it out, and it's not true, and the person suffers because of that, then I think I'm morally liable in some way. Some way. So then, then, so this article that came, that came to me, and I, I thought, well, does this person really know the science? He's just, you know, four articles supporting something and four articles supporting the other other case. So I think from now on, for myself, what I'll do is, do you know, are these reputable websites? Do you know, do you know the, that they're coming from good science? Now, Big Farm can have good science and distort things, so all kinds of Interests can distort things. I, I know that, but and 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 then also, do you understand the science? It seems to me that the, the, the like a person has to take, if they're going to send information to me, they have to take responsibility for researching it, and making it sure, making making sure it's right, and then offering it up with that kind of confidence. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure this is right. So understanding the science, understanding it. because if I act on something that someone gives me, and I sort of you know be very naive now to believe all these different websites, and I get a I get a uh, bad consequence of that. It's foolish of me to not do my research, but it's also somehow they are morally viable to that kind of a thing. So the right speech now is very. I I guess we were all we saw this article about or this issue about autism and, and the, the triple vaccine and the bad science around that. Um, so, I, I would, I would. I mean, for myself, I, I, oh, I got another email, damn emails, right, <laughs> from uh, a, a supporter who had taken an email from a city monk and... <laughs> The monk had read something that said that Steve Jobs regretted his whole life, and at the end he realized it was all just materialism. It was just rubbish. It's total rubbish. And I read it. I said, that's not true. Or, or the things that people will quote from the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama said this. Yeah. Oh, come on. Or there's a, there's, a, there's a really good chant. There's a really uh, deep, resonant uh, mantra going around. I've heard the Dalai Lama chanting. I've chanted with him several times. Not I'm showing off, but this chant that everyone is telling me, this is the Dalai Lama, is not the Dalai Lama. This is an operatic voice. So we can be incredibly cynical, but we, have, we can also be very, very naive. And also then, that if that naivete, how do you say that? Yeah, that, yeah? naivete. Uh, affects me personally, okay, that's my problem, might come up. But if I then take my passion and and shallow information and persuade someone else, it seems to me I'm, 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 uh, I've got some cumber there. Right? So I'm just sort of getting my head around constantly you know, this different information. But in terms of in terms of the five precepts and, and the internet, we were when I was in Thailand, we were talking 
some of the monks are talking about how to use the five precepts as an application to internet usage. And it became very obvious, they said, like, like nonviolence. Don't do anything on the internet that kills, which would destroy 90% of the video games. Video games are about killing. I think, I mean, I've never done one, but I've heard they are. What is it called? Grand Auto Theft or Grand Theft Auto or something like that? I mean, I, I really haven't. I'm a different gen. But, but that was an interesting thought, isn't it? That, that any kind... Now, that's obviously not the moral precept. The moral precept is about uh, killing, killing people, killing beings. But as a kind of reflection, yeah, what if that was, a, was something that you would challenge a young person to? You know, if you're interested in spiritual, ethical life, well, what about not, not doing anything that is like murderous on the Internet? Uh, or the second precept, not to keep, not to steal. Uh, wow, piracy. You know, like like this, the the ethos of well, if I can get it for free, I'll take it for free. And it's just that that kind of prevalent, um, no respect for the artistic writer. Um, well, you could say, well, these guys are just making a fortune and so on. But to actually think, well. Um, I shall not take that which is not given. To actually think that way. Well, is this really given to me? Uh, correct sexual behavior, the third precept. Obviously, pornography. It just, as I get sometimes young, young guys coming and, and they've, you know, they've been subjected or subjected themselves to pornography for 10 years straight. Not good for your samadhi. <laughs> You see, they just like they're in the kuti or something, and then it's just like the mind is bringing up all these images. They're very hard to meditate. Uh, so anything which is like stimulating that whole sexual impulse constantly is not obviously. It's, sexuality is actually an irritant. <laughs> it really is. It's it's so overrated that that. Uh, but it it is powerful. It's a biological. It really it really pulls the mind into the the five candles. So to actually like reflect on that, and then write speech, um, you know, not not tail, not ripping other people down, not, um, not like like quite often in the sangha we quote off, our, our speech can be not not very good at all. Where where we would talk about other monks, we don't even know them, and there's just the you know the gossip going around about what that monk is, and I said no, that's not right. You can't do that. You don't know the guy. So that that sense of, of um, using using speech in a way which is harmonious and, and um, noble and beautiful and wise, rather than all the things, the traps of, of um, quick speech things on on the internet. It's, I think all of us have made mistakes that way. To to pause, to reflect, to like to send it to more kind of thing. Um, so, so that reflection is like the way I communicate. Is it of benefit to others? Is it benefit to my society? Is it truthful? So you go back to what I was starting with. Is it truthful? Well, I'm not sure actually, but it certainly fits my passion and my viewpoint. Uh, and then the, the fifth precept: not to take drugs has changed consciousness. The addiction to these different uh, media. So it's kind of interesting. You know, how to use the five precepts in, in that way. 
I think my generation, we're not so conflicted with video screens and so on. People of a younger generation, it's more part of culture, the way people have grown up. So maybe I'm an old fuddy-duddy, I don't know. Marion asked a question. So it's just some ramblings around. But do, yeah, do be careful, like, with, with, think about that. When you, if you send, if you send something to a person, well, first of all, you don't, you don't want to just burden them with, with the trivia of your, your delights. I think we all, I have one person that, I have a good friend, kind, I know them, but I just got too many and they're in the junk pile now. <laughs> just, sorry, lady. It's quite nice to do that. So. <clears throat> but do, 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 do think about that. Like, we get so much. Like, is it really necessary to convey this idea? Is this idea true? Is it going to be helpful? What if it's wrong? And is it just coming from my own ego, my own sense of self-importance? Or, they're good considerations. Marion asked a question about, about the, the point of awakening, which I... I think any teacher likes to talk about. So what I what I dis, what I saw in my own meditation some some years ago was that when um, when I was trying to be mindful, um, not necessarily sitting in meditation, but just trying to be mind, walking through a forest or whatever. Or sitting meditation or eating and uh, my my attention would be taken by ideas and thoughts and plans and worries and then at some moment there'd be an interruption to that moment of to that momentum of, of, of thinking that my mind would immediately grab hold of an object be it the breath or be it the color of a tree or anything and I would I would notice I'm thinking, and then I would try to focus on something so that I wouldn't think. And that was a strategy which wasn't thought out. It was. It was the it was the desire not to think. Because I knew I could see that that you know, this is ridiculous. All this thought, and it wasn't getting me anywhere. It wasn't really profitable. It wasn't it wasn't really skillful speech. So then I would I would attempt. So then I'd, the thought patterns would be, uh, I'd, I'd awaken to the worrying mind, say, and then the craving not to think would come up. In other words, the aversion to thought, try to get rid of it. And then the latching on to one of the khandhas, one, one object, one sense experience, and trying to hold attention on that. And that didn't really work, because it was still coming from a place of trying to force myself not to think. It was very quick, very quick. And, uh, and the first question I asked, that I can remember, asking Ajahn Chah formally after Patimoka was, how do I get rid of thinking? And he went into a long talk, which I didn't understand. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was just there early. And then someone tried to translate it afterwards, and when he got a bit of it, but um, basically said, there's nothing wrong with thought. And thought is natural. And I, oh, that, oh, really? Yeah. So that was a clue. And yet I, 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 could, I could see that the silence of the mind, 
where there's no Achilles' being um, churned by thought was 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 important. It was important. I guess you know, you could I could ask him or ask Richardson or whoever. They they weren't thinking all that much, if at all. Um, so that kind of okay. So what do I do with it? With this thinking mind, and so finally I I, I through. Probably Adrian Smedos, I can't remember now, but but he said, well, you, you have to notice the moment of awakening, the moment of cessation, the moment where thoughts actually cease, and that's one way of looking at the third noble truth. That there, so the first noble truth there is suffering. Second noble truth there is the noble truth of the cause of suffering. Third noble truth is there is the noble truth of the cessation of suffering, and the cessation has to be realized. That's the clue for me. It has to be realized. And, and realization is like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just this moment. You know, the mind's present now. Nothing, I, I don't have to get rid of thought. I don't have to go anywhere. Just, yeah, I, I'm home. That's the kind of realization that isn't a one-off that alters your psyche in such a way you never think again. It's not that kind of realization. It's actually a constant realizing. It's rather like Realizing you're off balance, you know, you just oh yeah, I'm off balance. You're just constantly realizing that you're reali- you're knowing that until a problem. If you go off balance, you come back to balance. So in the, in the same way, if if you if you start to pick up that moment, right, you you, you make that that moment, you realize it, you make it conscious. Oh, this is it. Then there's no craving there. There's a sense of of um, accomplishment, not in an ego way. There's a sense of nowhere to go. Uh, there's a sense of yeah, that's it. You know that that kind of affirmation and, and um, in that realization, affirmation, there's there's no need. The desire falls away because you don't really need to do anything. You're there already. There's no need to analyze. Why don't I think so much? There's no need to get another experience. There's no need to get rid of this experience. There's no need. And because there's no need, there's no, no craving. There's no craving. The realization of niroda, cessation of craving. And, and what, notice in your mind, when, when you don't want anything, you're all right. And the thinking mind, of course, starts to churn up. I, you know, some security about the future, insecurity about the future, or some resentment about someone in the past, and it just goes on and on and on. And then, of course, most of us then either have been trained to analyze that, why am I thinking so much, which is more thinking, or we focus on a meditation object in order to suppress thought. But all of it misses the point of awakening, I think. But if that point of awakening is realized, noticed, made, um, made conscious, this is it. then when you pick up an object of meditation, it, it's not coming from desire. It's coming from the um, intention to sustain what's already there, not to get something else or to get rid of something. So you, you, it's like you find balance. This is the, the, you know, I give that analogy of riding a bicycle. You find the balance, and then you keep the balance. That's all. But if you never find the balance, 
you, you, you just flounder, look, where is it, where is it? And then you get rid of this one. So sometimes you seem to have found balance by uh, absorbing into an object of meditation, but, but what has happened is just kind of suppress stuff, and, and, and you can control it for a while, but perhaps all of us have had that kind of experience where we, you know, we really have a lot of energy and, and focus and we control consciousness, awareness, uh, the objects of mind for, for some period of time. And then we take off that control and wham, the whole thing blows up again in your face. Well, what's that about? Where's that coming from? So Ajahn Chah, the image he would give was like a rock on, on a piece of grass. Rocks there, and it seems all right. Grass isn't growing. You take a rock off, the grass grows again. Or, or Jean Klein uses like a horse in a stall. You know, the horse goes blinkers, and you've got panned up because you're absorbed into an object in meditation. And as soon as you open up the stall, yeehaw, it goes off again. Whereas, whereas the awakened mind. I'm not, I'm not dismissing objects of meditation, but how do we apply our attention to them is what's important. So when, when you have that sense of the awakened mind, stillness, you don't need to go anywhere, but you'd like to keep that stillness stronger. So you pick up an object of meditation to train in balance. Right? You're not trying to get anything, because you've already, you know, there is nothing to get in that future sense. There's always this moment, this moment, this moment. Um, so you, so then you start to like observe uh, the judgment of thought. Oh, I wish I wasn't thinking so much. That's missing the point where actually you noticed that you were thinking, or or the analyze. Why am I thinking so much? Maybe I should do. Maybe I should do a practice to get rid of this thinking. Same old, same old. Which isn't again. It's not. It's not dismissing any kind of a practice. It's where do I start from? And if I start from I, I have to get something else, that's avijja. And with ignorance, it's ignorance. With ignorance as condition, there are all these sankaras, all these conditions. But if I start with the awakened mind, and then I say, all right, that, I can do that. So that's why, you know, when I give instruction in meditation, I just say, just listen. And what do you hear? Okay, now you're present. It's simple. And then how do you sustain that? That's it. I was talking with someone yesterday who, who was going through some difficulties, a lot of difficulties, and, and uh, thinking about maybe meditation would help. And we were sitting outside. And I said, "Can you hear the birds?" And wanted to talk with me. No, 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 no. Can you hear the birds? <laughs> but said, no, no. Don't analyze. Just can you hear them? And then he finally stopped. He said, "I haven't heard the birds for years." <laughs> It's just think, 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 think. So that that stillness of knowing is always available. It's always there. It's not. It's not so far away. And 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 we've tasted it because we've tasted it quite often. We we try to get rid of thought. You know, had you know epiphanies or, or profound experiences of emptiness. And we, oh yeah, that's it. And then we try to return to that, but that's a losing game because that that is still based on time. So that's why Saint, in Theravada Buddhism, say, you know, you've you, you got to be patient. And, and, and it's always, you know, we, it's usually impatience, which doesn't want to just wait with this moment, just as it is. 
just in its discomforts or its scratchiness or its whatever. Just it's just this way now. That's how we return to that. And if you if you just use something like listening, see? but the impatient mind doesn't listen to what is. It looks for a different kind of a sound. The impatient mind doesn't isn't with the way things are. It's with not wanting this and wanting something else. And, not even sure. and that comes from memory or reading or whatever. And if you think, you know, if you ponder that way of what is, what is the way of non-craving, the end of craving, if you look at it, the, all the heart qualities, the goodwill. Your goodwill doesn't want anything. I don't want you to be different. May you be free from suffering. I, I, I want that, but that's not a time I want it. Compassion, um, equanimity, generosity, forgiveness, uh, joy, all these things are, 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 are non-tanha, right? They're, they're diametrically opposed to craving, like generosity. Matthew gives me the flowers. You know, he's not expecting a rebirth in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Where's, my, where's my little receipt for heaven rebirth or something like that? It's just joy. It's just joy, isn't it? It's just, just that. Forgiveness. You know, kind of all of us have carried, uh, and then I always say, oh, you be free from suffering. And it's just liberation, freedom. So, so if you think deeply about this, about the realization of cessation of craving, when you, when you have compassion, that's the cessation of craving too. You might not think of it that way, but it is. Isn't it? Uh, and then all the ways of craving that come up in terms of self-image, self-doubt, uh, self-disparagement, all that wanting to be someone or not wanting to be this one, whatever this one might be. And, and then a, a light moment comes and you hear the Phoebe, Phoebe, the Phoebes are back. By the way, I think I heard my first one yesterday. Phoebe, <laughs> I love this sound. Anyway, you know the Phoebe strikes you in the ears, and you stop self-disparaging. That's the end of tongue, huh? Isn't it? It's not. Really, I mean, the Phoebe helps. Phoebe's very helpful that way. <laughs> but it's just pointing to something that, that that you don't notice. So then you might just go off. Oh, Phoebe's! I love Phoebe's. Where are the Phoebe's? And you're just thinking again. But in the moment, the Phoebe goes, Phoebe. <laughs> and your mind stops. That's oh yeah, I'm here again. This is the awakened mind. Nature is doing this all the time, isn't it? The wind and there yeah, you're walking along, thinking about this and that, and you hear the pine trees, wind in the pine trees. They're pretty, but you don't have to comment on it. But as I always say, the object points back to the stillness. Um, but usually, you know, we start thinking how beautiful it is, and you know, I'd like to record that and paint a picture, <laughs> take a photograph. It's all right too, but but just that awakened mind to see that again and again and again and again. And you're you're having your meal, and you're thinking about you know your, your calendar for next week, and 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 then you um, you hit a, you hit a piece of grit in your brown rice. Always unpleasant, isn't it? <laughs> Stupid people that run. No, no, you're awake again, actually. It's good. You're back. You're back. 
So sometimes returning to the way things are comes from the unpleasant. Sometimes it comes from the pleasant. But the moment of awakening that life is this way now, like a pain. You think about it, you're, you're, you're meditating and you get a, 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 a twinge of pain down your, down your sacroiliac or something. And, oh, there it is. Actually, you're awake again. You may not want that kind of awakeness, none of us do, but you are a present. So then the pain, oh yeah, this is the way it is now. Oh God, this is the way it is now. How is it going to be in the future? But no, 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 this is, pain is this way. Pain is very powerful that way. One doesn't wish it on anyone. So the returning to the present moment is, is the interruption of all the self-analysis, self-thinking, ego-thinking that we get caught up into. And those interruptions should be valued. So whether it's an interruption which comes from a, an unpleasant, a pleasant thing, the, the, the thinking mind, the sense of self gets interrupted. And there you see it's actually not a fixed entity called me but actually thinking patterns which are driven by emotions, by reactions, and you see the gap between the ego. You see that that sense of a self. Like let's say I'm, maybe I'm caught up into some self-doubt. I can't do this. Or I can't do My mind's going on and on like that. I'm sure it doesn't for you. Um, and then um, someone fires a shotgun across the across the field and then bang that 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 ego thought is ended it's not a self it's not permanent so you want to that's what you really want to value don't you you don't want to value the neuroses and yet we we tend to invest so much in the neuroses you know in our personality views or or, or whatever we invest a lot in thought so ultimately i think as practitioners it is good to find a, a consistent way of remembering uh, cessation, a kind of go-to place or a touchstone or um, uh, something that through experience you can pay attention to and it reminds you of the silence of not-self, the silence of non-creative. So you get different teachers describing different techniques or different ways they do that. So Lopasameda uses the sound of silence. Uh, I, I use the heart chakra from which I can notice the sound of silence. That's my go-to place. So if I'm like I've seen I've seen times where something difficult in the monastery and, and I, we've had some kind of a disagreement and I'm kind of annoyed or whatever and I go down and I do the line practice and I, I'll just feel the memory come up and then boing like the can't translate boing with this thing <laughs> but actually you can feel the energy right there and and what that does it processes it so it goes through the system but isn't coagulated into thinking and all the attachment of thinking and then that that goes away from the system so there's a way of, of by kind of coming to the present moment and remembering and processing. Processing is very important, it seems. Um, some, some teachers will say, use the, use the breath, use the breath of the belly. Some teachers will say, just do metta bhavana, just do metta all the time, all the time. And in a sense, the heart chakra is like that. But um, where that comes from is a kind of confidence in, 
in what letting go is, because that's the goal in Buddhism. And then you have to find your method. So the, so the moment of realization, the moment where craving has stopped, the moment that the thinking has stopped, that's, uh, that's the goal. In the third noble truth is synonymous with Nibbana, realization of the cessation of craving. Now there might be degrees of that, and intensities or you know, profundities of that, but but in that moment, that's 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 the that's the goal. That little that little bit of space between ego thinking, and and if you honor that, and then figure out a way where you can return to that in a very deliberate way, not not by getting rid of anything, but by awakening, then you've got a very easy clear path. Your karma might not be easy, it might be complicated, and and you know when. When we all go through the dying process, that's not going to be all that fun. Uh, but it's all right. We have to go through that. But 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 we've got we got a refuge. So so that idea of refuge, both as a a realization, and then as a, a methodology for remembering remembering that. All right. I'll leave that for your reflection. Andamayam dhamma kataya sadhu karam dhamma sadhu